The end of fiscal year 2019 is only days away, and all signs point to the likely passage of a short-term continuing resolution to avoid that October 1st government shutdown. What does this mean for your science? And what does it mean for the prospects of FY 2020 increases? Let's dig in now on pipettes and politics. Hello and welcome to Pipettes and Politics. This is your podcasting source looking at the intersection of policy and science. And I'm Ben Korb. I'm your host. I'm broadcasting from ASBNB's cozy Washington, D.C. podcasting studios. Yes, all the news coming from Capitol Hill this week has focused largely on President Trump, focused on the Ukraine, on impeachment proceedings, on whistleblowers, on phone logs, on Rudy Giuliani. It may very well be the political story of the day, certainly. Political story of the week, likely of the month, maybe of the year. Heck, this story may be the story of our lives. But this is not the only thing that's happening in Washington. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, this is the quintessential walk and chew bubblegum at the same time situation. While impeachment is interesting, it is frankly not the most consequential news that is would impact you as a scientist or as an average citizen, um, and it's not going to impact your daily life anytime soon. More important than impeachment is the looming end of the fiscal year, which ends on Monday, September 30th at midnight. Between now and then, the White House must sign into law a continuing resolution that was passed by the House of Representatives last week and passed by the Senate this week. Both chambers passed this bill on a bipartisan basis, to fund the federal government through November 21st at current FY19 fiscal levels. The good news is that the White House on Monday announced that it does plan to sign the continuing resolution into law. The bad news is that was before Tuesday evening's announcement by Speaker Nancy Pelosi of, impeach of the opening of an impeachment inquiry. While I see no strategic value to shutting down the government, to gumming up the works, or to holding a CR hostage of an impending impeachment inquiry, the climate in Washington has certainly become supercharged and superpartisan, and more complicated than it was before on the Monday announcement. Look, all that said, my crystal ball, which I'll admit is notoriously unreliable, still tells me that we will see a continuing resolution signed into law by the president, and we will avoid a government shutdown, and the government will remain open through at least November the 21st. On the surface, any action that's taken to avoid a government shutdown is a wonderful thing and a breath of fresh air, especially for scientists. The National Science Foundation is still today recovering from the 35-day record-length government shutdown that occurred in January 2019. This shutdown delayed potentially hundreds of millions of dollars of grant funding decisions, according to our estimations at the time. And it frankly wasn't all that long ago that we saw a 16-day government shutdown at the NIH, stopping research at the Bethesda campus, threatening to cancel study sections or delay study sections and reviews, and delaying the admittance of new patients to the world-renowned NIH Clinical Center. Is a CR better than a government shutdown? Yes, absolutely undoubtedly, inarguably. 
but it's not the greatest of options. And here's why. Whenever an agency that is a grant funder, like the NIH or the NSF or DOE or NASA or the EPA or your choice of the alphabet soup in Washington, whenever a funder like that has uncertainty in their budgetary status, ripples are felt by the grantees down the road and outside of the headquarters. A continuing resolution signals to the agencies that Congress is uncertain exactly where next year's spending levels will be. And if you look at, let's take the NIH, for example, that uncertainty can be felt even more acutely. Consider this. 80 to 85% of the NIH's budget is sent outside of campus to extramural research happening at universities and facilities all across the country. Also consider that the average length of these grants is three to five years. Now, with those two facts in play, most of the NIH's funding is pre-obligated in order to fund those existing grants which the agency has already committed to. So delays in new or next years and increases in funding impact funding decisions made for new, renewing, and next year's funding grants. The uncertainty caused by the CR causes the funding agency to also take a more conservative posture. Historically, following passage of a CR, we may see messaging from agency leaders telling grantees that they should prepare for a small reduction in their grant until the agency's budget has been sorted out. This can be as much of a, as a 10% slice, which the agencies will hold on to and hold back to allow to con the continuing operations of the agency to happen and to give the agency flexibility to fund critical or new priorities that come up in this CR time. Also, study sections and study section reviewers may take a more conservative review approach to grants being considered, not scoring as generously as normal, knowing that there are more limited funds than there may have been at the time that the study section began. In the past, I've spoken to individual IC directors at the NIH who've told me that they put more of a focus on funding instrumentation grants over project grants in uncertain fiscal times since those dollars are typically spent in one year and it doesn't obligate the Institute into multi-year investments in an uncertain fiscal environment. Look, a 52-day continuing resolution, which this one is likely to be, isn't likely to have any long-term impacts on the agencies. By now, operating some of the year under a continuing resolution is pretty much commonplace since you can count on one hand the number of times that a continuing resolution hasn't been needed over the past 25 years. The issue arises, however, if we reach November 21st and need to extend the CR further, maybe another week, maybe another month, maybe for the full, for full fiscal year. The purpose of this continuing resolution is to provide House, Senate, and White House negotiators more time to determine funding levels for critical programs and political priorities. Some of those priorities, however, are so hotly contested that no reasonable person can imagine that an amicable solution can be brokered between now and November 21st. I mean, let's face it, some of these issues have been debated since January to today with no resolution. What magic is going to happen in the next 52 days? Oh, by the way, we'll also be dealing with impeachment proceedings, and the appetite for bipartisan problem solving is all but gone for the foreseeable future. Will the White House cave on demands to provide funding for the president's southern border wall promise? Will Democrats relent on the need for increased funding to improve conditions at border detention centers? 
What if Democrats in the Senate refuse to hold any votes on anything until they get a background check bill through and past Mitch McConnell? Or what if the president just entirely refuses to play ball until the specter of an impeachment is taken off the table? Consider also, worth remembering, that November 21st deadline, the extension and the expiration date of this continuing resolution. News today is Speaker Nancy Pelosi has said that she intends, and it's possible, that articles of impeachment may be drafted and voted on by mid-November. How in the world are we going to navigate through figuring out how we're going to fund the government at the same time that we're about to vote on the impeachment of a president? Look, there is plenty, plenty of uncertainty in the future and plenty of reasons why you can imagine another longer continuing resolution is going to be necessary before that pre-Thanksgiving deadline. And if that's the case, just how much will science lose out if, say, there's a full year continuing resolution? We'll look at that after this short break here on Pipettes and Politics. Like this but want more? Why not visit the ASBMB Policy Blog, where you'll see news and analysis on all things Washington. Visit www.policy.asbmb.org. And welcome back. So... Congress decides on a continuing resolution for the whole of fiscal year 2020. No big deal, right? At least the agencies know their spending levels. And I told you, uncertainty is the bad thing that happens. Well, that's true. A full year continuing resolution would take doubt out of the equation, and it would, it would allow the agencies to know what their funding levels will be and make decisions as they on funding decisions going forward. But a full year continuing resolution negates the work that's been done in both the House and Senate Appropriations Committees and the work done by advocates like me, my colleagues, and maybe likely even you. We've been working hard to line up bipartisan federal support for biomedical research funding. The House and the Senate, each on bipartisan votes, proposed increasing the NIH's budget by two and three billion dollars respectively. And while not as large, both the House and Senate have also proposed increases to the National Science Foundation's research budgets. Both of those increases would undoubtedly provide new dollars and new research grants at universities and facilities all across the country. Both of those increases would likely bring new scientists, new perspectives, and new areas of research into play. And while the NIH's budget has grown steadily over the past several years, more than $6 billion over the past three years, we would all argue that spending levels today are still in the hyper-competitive range. Success rates, for example, in R01s at the NIH have only inched up to 20%, even with those recent increases from 19.5% just three years ago. There's plenty of high-quality, highly valuable research that isn't getting funded. And it's not getting funded because there's a lack of available resources. Look, a CR is good because it takes out uncertainty, but essentially, a CR robs agencies like the NIH and the NSF of literally millions of dollars of research, which was supported bipartisanly and is desperately needed to improve the quality of life and well-being for citizens all around the world. We at ASBMB are going to continue to monitor Congress 
how it moves forward with the FY20 funding process. And we're likely going to need your help. Look, policymakers are moved by stories by constituents. So whether you're uh, a researcher at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore or a researcher at the University of Hawaii out in Honolulu, um, you need to reach out to your policymaker and help them understand what a CR robs from your community. And we're likely to have instructions over the next few weeks on how it is that you can help do that. Well, that's it this week for Pipettes and Politics. You can follow me on Twitter at BWCorb, follow ASBNB at ASBNB, or stay up to the latest with our policy blog at policy.asbnb.org. I'd like to thank you for listening and check back for next week's new episode. Again, I'm Ben Korb, and this has been Pipettes and Politics. Goodbye. Thank you.